welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss the CDC's new recommendation that fully vaccinated Americans can stop wearing masks in most outdoor and indoor places, and how that announcement and the actual change seem to take everyone by surprise. And later on, we're going to take a look at some new findings on how certain animals like sharks are able to use the Earth's magnetic field like we use satellite-based GPS for to, to track their geolocation in real time. Joining me today is a man whose pep talks turn into a pep rally. Tunde Ogonlana. Tunde, putting aside any problems you may have, are you ready to get the people fired up today? Fire and brimstone, brother. I, I like that intro. I'm going to have my kids hear it. That, you know, my, my, my pep talks turn into a pep rally. They, they seem to disagree, but, you know. <laughs> now, we're recording this on May 18th, 2021. And a few days ago, on May 13th, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control updated its COVID-19 pandemic guidance to state that fully vaccinated individuals are safe to go maskless and most outdoor and indoor spaces. Now, they did carve out exceptions for things like public transportation or doctor's office, but it's pretty much they're saying if, for fully vaccinated people, it's almost a free-for-all at this point. And while this was most certainly welcome news to most people, it certainly seemed to catch many off guard, including businesses, many businesses, and then also state, local, and even federal government officials. But Either way, you know, undoubtedly, this does appear to be news and an indication that we're moving in the right direction, considering how much of a disruption COVID-19 has been in all of our lives and the, the loss of life that we've seen and so forth. So it seems to be going in the right direction. But Tunde, what was your reaction to the CDC updating its mask guidance uh, to, to give the OK for, for mask off, uh, more or less? Obviously, it's good news, right? It's another um, sign that we're getting past this this whole kind of pandemic, at least the height of the pandemic and the and what I guess most of us felt were the restrictive measures we had to take in order to deal with it, right? So I, I think that, um, so in that sense, uh, you know, I'm happy about it, that that's coming from the top, that, that you know, it's another sign that we're, we're moving forward, but I wasn't surprised. I didn't kind of feel any way um, more so because I didn't, you know, I expected this to change over time. And, you know, as facts change on the ground type of thing, then the, the change, of, change of the messaging from leadership will change. And clearly, uh, I think we're at it now where over a third of the population is fully vaccinated in the United States. And um, I think over 50% have at least one, one vaccination. So I think, you know, it, this is just to me a natural progression of where we're at. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I look at this. I mean, this is why we're vaccinating, right? I mean, like the, the point of like the masks were intended to be kind of a bridge to the next solution, to the more permanent solution. And the vaccination was being developed at the time over the, you know, over the past year uh, and, and year plus to then become the next part of the solution, so to speak. So, I mean, to me, you know, it was kind of like, okay, yes, that means they, they think we've reached a, a significant one, a significant enough threshold of people have been vaccinated for this guidance to change. And then two, the vaccines in the real world have proven to be sufficiently effective that it, it 
justifies like the plan of course was to train not need the mass indefinitely but that plan only can come into play if the vac if the mass or excuse me if the vaccines actually work so to me that's like okay yes the, the, then this plan that has been in motion is working basically if now we can pull back the mask uh guidance which they did i mean and so and i also think though the, the 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 surprise the way it was kind of just dropped out of nowhere that actually gave it more authenticity to me because there was no smooth PR campaign or anything like that. Like it, it, it definitely seemed like some doctors or some group of doctors decided, well, I think we can do this. And then kind of like just the doctor walking into the doctor's office and telling you whether you're sick or not. Like, all right, well, we ran the test and this and that. And so the fact that it was just a dry release, like no big thing about it was like, yeah, that this wasn't a political thing being done. This wasn't some grand rollout from some marketing genius. Like this was just people that didn't really know that, that don't know PR <laughs> came up yeah. with this. And so, I mean, well, I, I, mean I, I appreciated I that. No, and I, I don't, I don't, um, I mean, I got, I was, yeah, I try not to watch too much news, um, but I got caught up. I found myself Sunday, just kind of checking in on some of the, some of the Sunday shows and one of them, you know, the famous Sunday show, meet the press. Um, they were grilling the CDC director. I believe she was um, the person who was in the hot seat and, you know, I just said they're all complaining about, you know, well, why'd you just make this sudden announcement? And I'm just thinking like, you know, this is what what, what kind of tires me of this pandemic is everybody's complaining about something constantly. And, yes. and, you know, and it's just like, first of all, who cares? Like, why do we care how they release the message? Like they just, you know, and, and it's kind of what I was thinking and even pre preparing for our discussion today. Like, this is why partially I think this is difficult for a large society is because science is pure, I mean, properly done science, right, is, is evidence-based, fact-based, reason, and, and kind of rational. Human beings are irrational generally, and if you put us in large groups, we're definitely irrational. Um, you know, we behave irrationally. So what, you're, what, what really I realized here in watching the news and reading and preparing for our discussion today was that none of this probably ever is smooth because you're trying to marry the idea of the medical and scientific community who need to learn things over a period as of time go. through trial and error. Yeah, they need yeah, to learn it as trial they go. And error. Like they don't come in with this now. Because yeah, because this has never been seen before. Um, and you're and and you're and then they're trying to um, navigate a population that wants answers right now, and that also if the narrative changes because maybe the facts have changed in terms of understanding, then it creates room and an entry point for suspicion either a natural and genuine suspicion, which I think healthy skepticism is always okay. Um, or I think what we've seen, especially in the last year of this pandemic, um, actors in this greater society who want to leverage the potential for fear and suspicion for their own gain and their own power. And so I, I you know, that's where I feel like just watching this whole thing. That's why I said, for me, we're hearing that message of the CDC saying we don't need to wear masks, or at least vaccinated people, you know, don't need to wear masks anymore. I wasn't surprised. I was like, okay, maybe the facts just change in the way that the research has shown, you know, those in, in charge at that level, um, that it changed. I'm not suspicious about it because I don't really care like that. Like, all right, good news. Just one more positive step for us to get back to normal, which I think is what all of us wanted. And that's why I was just surprised. Well, like I would, I would add to that. I would add, I would no, I would add to that. Just saying that the 
we the CDC, one thing they've established is that they're on the they, they're actually slow a lot of times to react as the facts become apparent and so forth. And so I actually had more confidence in this case that they actually said this because, for example, the outdoor aspect of this has been known for months. It's been known for months that the disease is really difficult to transmit outside because of the way it it travels in the aerosol particles that come out of your mouth, like the, the small uh, the liquid drops that are coming out of your mouth. And that's how it travels. And those things need to get concentrated. And so that's really difficult outdoors at the beach or things like that. And so, but it took a long time once the science recognized that for the CDC to acknowledge that. And because they were just trying to be very careful, they didn't want to say something and then have the science change on them again. And so it actually, and then, so for them to come out and say this right now, and people saying, oh, well, you should have given us, tell us you're going to do it in a month or do it in a few weeks. And it's like, well, no, if, if the science justifies it, then do it now. You know, like, why, why are we doing that? But it does, to me, illustrate that they've seen enough. The people who are the most risk averse, the people who are managing risk, and, and they're not the ones that are being cavalier. Those, those people have seen enough. And I know looking into it more. They, like there's been studies done in Israel as far as how because that had their, their population is very vaccinated and how it's the the mass arguably excuse me the vaccines arguably work better than the mass at, at preventing the spread of the disease so if they're seeing that and in the real world data is tracking it then I'm all for it and yeah I mean it, I don't need a smooth rollout you know like if the science like you said it, this is science this is fact based and if that's what it's going to be sometimes the, it, the decision can be made like that and if it is then don't don't hide it from me. Don't you say, oh, well, we're going to do it for three weeks and then this and that, like, just, just tell us. And so I was happy with the way they did it. And now I, there was a phenomenon I wanted to ask you about though, that we, we are seeing, and we'll probably see for a while is that people even being vaccinated, even seeing the CDC saying that they are, you know, like, Hey, you're good outdoors with no mask and you're good. Most indoor spaces with no mask. If you're fully vaccinated saying, nah, forget it. I'm wearing my mask no matter what. I'm going to keep wearing my mask for a year, for two years, for five years. What, what's your thought about that? Like, is that, that's, is that just where we are uh, now? Where we're going to be a partially masked society? Yeah. Uh, I, again, um, <laughs> I try not to have any opinions. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's hey, man, fascinating. You're doing the wrong because... thing if you don't have any opinions. It's a podcast. I man. know. <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to thread a needle here by being the first guy to talk a lot without giving an opinion. I don't think it's going to work. So, <laughs> but <laughs> so, um, so, so let me just keep going then. Um, no, so, but that's where like, you know, you know me, I'm Mr. 30,000 foot guy. So it's, it's, let's extrapolate it out. And I think number one, you're right. I, for, just to answer you directly. Yeah. It's almost hilarious that now we have people that are refusing not to wear a mask and it's just like, all right, here we go again. Like another you mean, reason you're refusing for refusing to, yeah, refusing to, to go without to, mask. to yeah, take yeah. it off. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so <laughs> it's just like, all right, well, here we go. Another, another group in our country that's just going to say, you know, they're going to do it their way and they're going to, they're going to say that everyone is wrong and except them and why they're the victim that, you know, that we're all, you know, taking our masks off too soon. <laughs> so, you know, that it is what it is. That's my point. Like it is what it is. And I've kind of come, that's what I mean by the 30,000 foot view of it. Like, I guess this is what it looks like to live in a free society. Right. And it's yeah. just that, and that's where I'll get it with all this stuff that we're dealing with in this last, you know, few years that everyone's complaining and everyone's a victim, and, you know, but their specific group is like, you know, the, the alternative to me, I mean, I know there's always a fine equilibrium in between some of these extremes, but, you know, if we want to maintain our freedoms and our liberties as Americans, then we got to put up with all kinds of people having opinions. And that's why I, 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 I 
I didn't agree with those that were extremely against masks. And I don't agree with people who are going to keep wearing masks after it's unnecessary. I mean, that's kind of how I feel, you know, uh, moderation is key. And so where I'm getting at is, is that the, the, the alternative we would have would be to be, you know, what we heard happen in China, where the government actually comes in and was like, you know, uh, not sewing and stitching, but like nailing people's doors shut <laughs> to keep them yeah. inside as one measure yeah. and some of these densely pop, you know, so I mean, if we don't want to live in that society, then, you know, I guess we got to accept the fact that everybody's going to react to this different. Um, and I guess that's where the CDC and the kind of from the top down maybe makes a suggestion like, all right, you don't need to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. If someone decides they want to yeah. wear a mask and keep wearing, I mean, look, that ain't my business. Um, so exactly. No, I, I mean, that's, I, I think I'm that's... not wearing a mask, but I'm not going to criticize someone that does this because I don't care. Like, you know, that's their business. A free yeah, do you do you? I mean, that's kind of the yeah, thing. Exactly. I think that sometimes we get into trouble because we either expect or desire uniformity. And that's just not uh, to your point. That's just not how it works in a free society. Like you, there's just things aren't going to be uniform just because you're doing something. You cannot walk around with an expectation that everybody else is going to do something like the things that we are enforced, so to speak, amongst all members of society are more so it should be more so about safety and protecting each other from people infringing on your rights, infringing on your liberties. People aren't allowed to kill you. People aren't allowed to steal from you, things like that. People aren't allowed to be reckless in ways that directly endanger you. But right now, the, the, the society has given us options, so to speak. Society meaning, you know, the, the CDC, the people who are looking at these things, the government health agencies on, on behalf of all of us, and they're giving us options. And, you know, you take one of those options, but there's not going to be uniform. It, 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 everybody's not going to do the same thing. And so I think that that's kind of built in. I mean, and in fact, you've seen if you paid attention over the past 20 years or so in certain Asian countries, people have been wearing masks because they've dealt with these these pandemics prior in a more acute fashion than we did. You know, so where they deal with SARS or MERS or different things like that, there have been people who never stopped wearing masks there. And so that kind of was almost something you can anticipate coming here. Like once people see it, once people see the pandemic, some people, it changes them and they're just they're not the same after that anymore. And for their own comfort. They need to do a little bit more than what other people. But again, how is that any different than some people are, are seatbelt wearers every time? Some people are 10 and 2 on the steering wheel and some people are not wearing seatbelts. I mean, they're not supposed to do that, but some people aren't. They're not that worried about the risk. Uh, they might drive with one hand on the top and the other hand on their in their phone or on their phone. And again, that's not good. That's not what we want. But everybody approaches the risks that we face differently. I mean, and that's just part of being in a large society. So we want to enforce yeah. a certain level, but we, there's a balance there where you can't start infringing on people's liberties either, you know? Yeah, no, and I think it's funny because I looked at the mask thing from day one as kind of the analogous to the seatbelt. And, um, you know, I know some people that just still refuse to wear a seatbelt today. Most people I know wear seatbelts, including myself. Um, and, and, and now with... The, the way I feel about vaccines and the masks, now that we have pretty much full access to vaccines, anyone that really wants to get one, um, and, the, and enough Americans have been inoculated that, you know, I, I think we'll be reaching some sort of herd immunity here generally, probably by the end of the year. Um, I look at it like smoking Wait, a cigarette. That's, that's, a, that's a little wishful, but that's the hope, man. 
As far as yeah, I mean, look, go we've ahead. got half yeah. half the uh, population vaccinated, or I would assume by the end, and we're not even halfway through the year yet. So, yeah. um, so my point is, is just saying that now I look at it like smoking cigarettes. We we have yeah. enough information in this society today in 2021 to know that smoking cigarettes is bad for you, generally, right? And we know all the causes, you know, the uh, the side effects that can happen from you know chronic cigarette smoking, but. There's a reason why Philip Morris, Altria, and all these tobacco companies are still making billions of dollars because people still want to smoke cigarettes. And maybe it's not a majority of the population, but, and no one, you know, and we are, it's like, to me, that's the free country part of it, right? Like, all right, if someone knows the facts, they know this stuff is, 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 is potentially could do them harm, but they want to take the chance. I'm not going to stop them. And uh, it's an interesting, and this is anecdotal, but, you know, it, my my uh, father-in-law is 83 and he smokes probably between one and two packs a day religiously. So Ooh. he's a good example of someone that has lived a long life and was looking like he's going to continue to go um, smoking cigarettes. I know, unfortunately, other people that have passed away in their 60s from lung cancer from smoking cigarettes. So I think it's the same now the way I look at the, the vaccine, the mask. People are taking a chance now. They have they have the ability to get vaccinated. They have the knowledge and the edu- and this the facts behind whatever you know that it all means to, to to protect yourself from the virus. If they choose not to, they're just like the cigarette smoker. They're taking a chance that they can either be my father-in-law, meaning get COVID, have a have barely any side effects, and just kind of keep rolling, or they could be the equivalent of the person dying of lung cancer at a younger age, which would be get COVID and pass away, or be really really ill. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I just think you know everybody needs to chill out. <laughs> So, well, I'll tell you this, you, you, you were speaking on the herd immunity thing and, but there are still large numbers of Americans that are dead set against getting the vaccine. Um, and that's like, there's been reports of demand slow down, you know, they, they now are having more shots than they have people to give them and so forth, which just on a side note, we should acknowledge it's been a very impressive rollout. Uh, to be able yeah. to get that many shots distributed and, and into people's arms is, is pretty impressive from just a logistical standpoint, you know, to have all that no, happen right. so quickly. But just I think, that is an aside. Let me just I, say, I want to ask you. No, but you, you put something. That's why I want to give you props. You sent an article that is say 273 million vaccines have been delivered in the United States, like put in people's arms, either first or second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, 273 yeah. million doses of vaccines. Now, you know, some of those are the two, one of the two dose, uh, Moderna or, or Pfizer. But yeah, and I'll put that in the in the show notes, but that's it from Reuters. That's what I'm saying. That's impressive. Yeah. We got 331 million people in this country. I mean, within, yeah. Uh, when did the vaccines really get like uh, available? November of last year? You know, you're talking seven months ago, October maybe. Well, so for, I'm just saying mass, that in less than a year. Mass, it was more recent than that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's all. So that's all. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to kind of say, you know, you, you, you found some interesting stats that I thought were important to share. Yeah. Yeah. And so but that being said, you know, there are still no, large numbers of Americans that are, appear to be dead set and state say that they are dead set against, against getting it like not that they're oh well, maybe, maybe not. But like, no, no way. And so what's your thought on that? Because that could stop you from getting the herd immunity you're talking about. But again, that runs into the thing of you know, this, this is, this is a free country. And so you're yeah. not going to, to some degree, it's <laughs> difficult to force people to, to, to do things like that. Or, and we'd be concerned if you, if you, if the government was out here forcing people to do stuff. So, you know, there's several thoughts on that. I think that's a combination of, of several things. I think there's a, a, a natural part of us as humans that, that, that resist uh, certain things. And, and, and there's 
like anything else in humanity, right? There's spectrum. So there's some people that are more further on the spectrum to resist authority and, and, and things coming down from the top than others. I think that's kind of the natural human part of this. I think the other thing is leadership. You know, I think um, we had a very uh, fractured message last year when the pac pandemic came out about exactly what was going on. You know, I mean, um, and I think, you know, to the, just the fact that a large portion, you know, up to half of this country uh, believed in the leadership at the time and what they were saying about whether it was a started out being a hoax and then, you know, the kind of messaging changed over time. And then the other half maybe didn't. And unfortunately, it became more of a political response than maybe um, just a kind of rational. That's what I mean by the kind of irrational side of humans, the tribalism, all that. I also learned something new in preparing for today. Because, you know, there's there's never been a good um, there's never been a better uh, industry to, to, to put titles and categorize us all than 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 psychology and science. So I learned something called reactance and it's a state of mind for humans. And so I'm going to read real quick a definition. Reactance reactance is a motivational state which is activated when people perceive a threat to their freedom of choice. Often people experiencing reactants feel angry and engage in counter arguing the original public health message. So again, you know, that's a, that's a psychological state, I guess, a motivational state of re reacting to something. So I think it's a little bit all that. I think there's also something in our DNA as Americans, you know, the individual. Um, yeah, hold, on, and, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Isn't that called just being a contrarian? <laughs> I guess so. to, well, that's what I said. Formal you know, word for that science. now. Yeah, can, yeah, that's the categorization of it. Yeah. So, and then, and then we call and, it, we call it, that's just being difficult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> being a contrarian, but not good. No, but that's what I was going to say. I think it's part of that. That's part of the human part of it that I'm sure in every population, yeah. no matter what country, just humanity, you're going to have some of that. Then, I, like I said, I think part of it is the leadership. You know, had leadership more been more um, unified and maybe behind some of the the um, the scientific. Um, uh, uh, people last year, you know, when the pandemic came out, maybe the country as a whole would have seen that unity and a higher percentage of people would have bought into some of the remedies to help alleviate us. And then that's what I was going to say. The other part, I think, is just cultural. Like you mentioned about the certain Asian countries, um, certain cultures uh, have more of a collective view of their society, that they are, uh, they are a cog in a much bigger wheel as individuals. And so they might fall in line more because they're saying, okay, I'm looking out for my fellow citizen type of thing, more so than myself. That's a good and point. I think in America, we just have this, this cultural streak of we all feel emotionally like we're the Lone Ranger. We want to be that cowboy out West that's going to get his plot of land and just, you know, I want my wife and kids and everyone else leave me alone type of thing. And that's a very American way of being. So when, when the authority starts telling Americans, do this, do that, we, we tend to react much. To help, to help your fellow citizens, because it's better for all of us if you do it. That's not persuasive Correct. to yeah. a, a large we're not, block we're of Americans. We're not programmed like that. And, um, and then, like I said, you've got, just because of the fractured media landscape, well, you had a lot of interference coming into that message as well. And, then, and that's what I was going to say. As, as you, Well, let me, let me. I just want to say one last thing. As, gonna, as you mentioned yeah. Israel, because I wrote this as a note, their mass vaccination being of success, you know, one of the things I've always said is I believe that Israel benefits greatly uh, culturally as a nation uh, from their, their uh, forced uh, military service after high school. And I think that, you know, if you look at their mass vaccination, their ability to mobilize themselves as a nation, 
as a large population, you know, several million people. Um, I think a lot of it comes to that because I think the fact that every Israeli right after high school from 18 for at least two years, if not longer, um, has to serve in the military. They all get beat up together in boot camp and all that. I think there is a greater uh, sense of the collective there. And, and like we're talking about, they're, they're more apt to say, let's just do this all for each other versus maybe our society, which doesn't have that shared experience altogether right at a certain age, yeah. that we are more individualistic. So, you know, well, no, I'll, I, I'll, I mean, I'll leave it a, there. That's a good point. Um, I mean, but there are a lot of reasons why that, because a lot of that's culture, cultural, excuse me, but some of it can be circumstantial yeah. as well. I mean, Israel also is surrounded by uh, other nations that it has been at war with at various times, you know, over periods of time. So that type of having, having being surrounded by what you may be considered to be hostile forces also would bring more solidarity in the group. And in some cultures are just more, have more solidarity in, within the group, have more shared obligations and so forth than others. Uh, so, well, Hey man, don't, don't forget about how aggressive Canada has been. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We, we all got to unite. <laughs> Canada's coming for us, but those damn Canadians. <laughs> I think actually though, the most, all of those things that you said, I agree. I mean, I, I think that, there's well, I would also add also there's a justifiable big distrust, a justifiable distrust in big pharma. Uh, big pharma has been all about the money and not necessarily about trying to take good care of people for a long time, you know, like and, and that's just the way they're operating. Like the whole opioid crisis we're finding out in all these litig all these cases is litigation that they were pushing that, you know, Purdue Pharma or whatever. They're they're like actively seeking to profit off of that with these painkillers and so forth. And that's just that's just one example of many where the interests of profits have gone above the interests of people with big pharma. So I think there's a justifiable distrust there. But I think the biggest factor actually is the nature of COVID-19. And that you, you kind of touched on this before. It doesn't, it's not debilitating to everyone. And so you can get it, be asymptomatic. The majority of people who carry it are asymptomatic. And then the people then of the people who get sick, still only a small percentage of those people have a really adverse outcome. So because of that, the risk calculation, when people start doing risk reward of the vaccine, undoubtedly the risk calculation for a lot of people is just going to be, I don't think this is that big of a deal. Now there's been some messaging that's led into that, but just looking around, you also will get that, you know, and say, Hey, like the vaccine messaging does need to, and this goes to your point, if for to really be into the vaccine, in many instances, you do have to not only be looking out for yourself, but be willing to look out for your fellow uh, citizen, your, your, the people around you as well. And so I think that there's a lot going on. Like there's, there's people who would say, oh, well, all of these people, it's, it's all political, or all these people are selfish and all that. And I'm one, I think that people should get the vaccine, you know, but I think that it's this is just a diff different ask than if there was if, if Ebola was running rampant and people were saying, hey, there's an Ebola vaccine. Do you want to get it? People be I don't I don't think you have the same kind of resistance because yeah, I agree. people dying and bleeding out of their eyes and stuff like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll get that vaccine. And so I, I think we shouldn't discount that, you know, just that covid, especially if you're younger, you know, for 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 older people, the numbers for for vaccinated older people are higher. Because they, if you're older, you've seen like, hey, yeah, this is really dangerous when you're older. But for younger people, they say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. And and one of the things I noticed as well 
is that it the vaccine hesitancy may also be tied to how much you restricted your activity during the heat of the pandemic. So if you restricted your activity a lot, if you were not doing a lot of, of social gatherings and things like that, then mo- people tend to be more anxious and more ready to get the vaccine. But people who just kept living their life kind of like, eh, you know, I've been doing what I'm going to do anyway. Why get the yeah. vaccine? You know, but again, same thing what you were saying as far as like the social calculation, just not factoring much into that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's where, like you said, too, that if if someone because I have friends that won't take the vaccine, they 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 haven't stopped living their life since day one. And so and it's a good point you make that. And then I, I where I'm going is. As you said it, I realized there's a lot of people I know that 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 stayed indoors and really, you know, took all that serious. And you're right. They were like running to get the vaccine yeah. because to them it meant liberation. The reward um, then, was very high for them. Yeah. Whereas the people who didn't stop living their life, the reward was like, eh, you know, yeah. I'm doing all the stuff I want to do anyway. And I think, um, you know, it, it's interesting because you're right. I think the fact that you've got it's, it's pharmaceutical, the vaccine, there's all this room for uh, whether it's the, the conspiracies about the 5G and Bill Gates and, and George Soros and all that stuff. Or it's just the uh, the, the, the actual um, what I would say, maybe the more valid uh, concerns that uh, certain groups have based on historical factors like, you know, looking back at the Tuskegee experiment and other things that have been yeah. done in the past where people can say, you know, I, I have a. There, there's a legitimate feeling for me to to, to feel suspicious about this. Um, yeah. But I also think going back to kind of the human, the, like you said, I'll, I'll use the fancy scientific word of the reactants, but maybe we'll just say contrarian. Um, <laughs> because I was looking through some of this historical stuff too. I was like, I think I Googled as one of the things to prepare for today, like the history of, of just not conforming when big stuff <laughs> happens in society. I found that the same thing happened when seatbelts were starting to be enforced. I read an article where the guy, the author was saying how he remembered his grandfather would, would cut the seatbelts out of the cars that he bought because oh I guess my God. he was born, you know, this author is probably you know older than us. And the guy was born at a time when I guess, you know, the Model T Ford and all that, you didn't have seatbelts. So his cultural thing, when they started enforcing seatbelts, he just wanted to re- rebel and he would just literally take a scissor and cut the seatbelt out of the car and, and, and just not, drive not around just like that. not use it, but yeah, he, so he just, wouldn't he, just not use it. He would cut it out. Yeah, like nobody actually, the yeah, sim- symbolically. <laughs> yeah. Say, get this out of here. Right. You're not going to control. Wow. Me. Then I found, this was a funny one. Um, resistance to condoms when they first uh-huh. came, came out and, you know, people saying, I'm not putting that on, you know, <laughs> I'm not putting something yeah. between me and the, and all that. Then I thought yeah. about things like, I remember being a kid and there was still rumblings about the resistance to the fluoride and tap water. I remember all that, you know, back in when I was a kid. And then um, that even got me thinking about like, and this isn't a resistance thing because you can't do anything about it, but the suspicion about things like contrails, you know, the, 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 the um, kind of steam that's created off the back of an airplane when it's at a certain atmosphere because of the, uh, the way that the uh, water molecules react when it's flying at that speed. And people think that that's somehow, you know, the government spraying something into the air or something. So I think that it just... That's why, as I was prepping for today, it kind of reminded me a bit of our recent show on the conspiracy theories, like the similar mindset of um, a little bit of knowledge. And then the because it's not fully known, there's now this this suspicion. And depending on how far the mind gets suspect may may lead to the 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 end resistance or non-resistance. Then I think like we talked about leadership's important and not just political leadership, I'm talking the leadership in the media, all that. And when you have such a fractured messaging, 
and where it becomes part of people's political identity and their value system, then you have a lot of room for this fracturing. And, and, um, and yeah. I think, and, and the other thing too, I felt- well, I'll and, tell you- Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, oh, no, I was gonna say, I tell you that, I, I'll tell you this though, the, I thought of the same thing. What, I, what I've come to realize though, is that people are just really, diff, it's difficult for people to evaluate these risks well, because the, like the issue with the planes and the emissions from the planes, like it's, it, I think it's legitimate to be worried or wonder about if, if the government is spraying things. But I would say like, if they are, they're not going to do it in a way that you can see it that easily. Like, <laughs> like that's not it. That's not what you yeah. worry about. You worry about, they spray for mosquitoes down here. I don't see big blooms coming out of planes, you know, like I, but I know it happens. Yeah. And so, and then even with the tap water thing, like that's something I think there's, it's legitimate to be skeptical of that. Like, Hey, you're putting something in the water, you know, what, what's going on there. Um, you know, it's about medication. It's not about, you know, the cleaning the water, so to speak, but in any of these things, you, there is a level of risk that you're either willing to accept or not, you know? And so evaluating how big the risk is, is difficult because it requires a level of context that, just us walking around don't usually have access to like to be able to really contextualize how big of a risk something is even with the conspiracies with the vaccine which i don't think are like i don't think there are any good conspiracies with the vaccine right now like there's there, there's a lot going on here like I, I sometimes there's conspiracies that have more plausibility than others the ones with the vaccine seem to be on the less plausible with the covid vaccine seem to be less plausible because big pharma is usually in it for money you know, if you want conspiracies with big pharma, it usually ends with a big dollar sign in it. And, and their money's already guaranteed with the COVID stuff. As long as they don't blow it, as long as they keep everything, you know, cool, like where everybody, people aren't just falling out, they're going to get endless money from the COVID vaccine. So yeah. to me, it actually, if you look at the, the incentive structure here that's in place, the, the for once, the pharmaceutical companies have a, a great motivation or excuse me, like incentive structure here where, hey, as long as you guys keep people upright, then you guys will make money on this forever. <laughs> Billions yeah. and you, you write your own check. So it's like, hey, this seems to be like a great time that we have where, where the pharmaceutical companies' interests line up with ours. You know, hey, yeah. they keep us safe. They get endless money. You know, and that's always, oh, not always, but that's, it seems like it's always for the pharmaceutical companies, the, the conspiracy ends in how they get the most money. So, hey, it, it worked, it seems to be working out for us this way. So, I mean, we never know. We never know. Yeah. But tell me this. We see now you've touched on around this, but you know I want to ask you directly. You know, seeing how our government and the public has reacted to the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, has seeing that changed your view on on people's ability to collectively work together? You know, and to solve problems in our society. Like, has that changed your views at all, or just kind of you know just you see it as more of the same or anything like that? Um, but no, just what's your takeaway on that? Like, because it's not like this is the last hurdle as a society will ever have to come up with or as societies around the world that we're ever after to overcome. So, you know, what do you think? How are we looking as far as being able to overcome problems? Um, the same. Uh, same. My, my answer is no, I don't, I don't think there's no change. Any, no change. I mean, that okay. goes back to everything we just talked about. Right? I mean, this is all uh, a large society is just a collection of a bunch of individuals and how they view it. Right. And so that's what I mean, that you've got these different spectrums of people that will resist things, that people that will be open to things. And and then you've got, again, the, 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 the fractured messaging from leadership, all that. So I just think this is another example of. Um, of a of a of a large people event. being people. Yeah, people being people. And, and that's what I wanted to say, too, is, is like looking at this last year and. I really feel, again, this is where I feel kind of warm and fuzzy about the country. 
because what a mess this has been. I don't care who, if you supported President Trump, President Biden, if you believed in you know the, the COVID or not, if you wanted to wear a mask or not, if you believe, whatever side you're on, I think we all can acknowledge that this thing has felt messy and sloppy and, and, and it's, it's just had a lot of fits and starts. But it's like, you know, you, you go back to 16 months ago, whenever this really started, and there was all these reports about the other countries, you know, you had these examples, like Sweden went like laissez-faire, let's just let, let this thing spread and let's just see how that goes. Then you had the countries like New Zealand and, and Italy that went the total opposite. Let's fully lock down and all that. And you look at what a mess we appear to be, but then I look and I say, wow, wow, the United States is still looking like it's coming out the best out of this whole thing. The Europe is still way behind. Um, the Asian countries are still figuring it out. India, we know, has had massive issues and problems recently um, that are probably being underreported, looking at the size of their population and the population density. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just another thing that makes me feel like, like that old Winston Churchill uh, kind of... Uh, saying, I think he said that, you know, Americans will end up like doing the right thing after they've exhausted all other angles. And then there was another one that I think <laughs> was also from him that he said that democracy is the best. It's like ugly, but it's the best system. It's, till the, somebody worst. it's the worst form of government, except everything else. That's been except done. everything else. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's just funny. So this, that's these moments, optimistic tune that you, yeah, you always want to turn that into the best, but it's yeah, uh, the worst. No, and that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, like you figure this, this is why, and this goes back to even the show we had last week about our democracy and the, the fragility of it, but the importance of it. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this is messy. But in the end, until somebody figures something else out that's better, this still appears to be the best system for humanity if we can keep it. Because what, I, what I'm getting at, too, is it's also like this was a good example of the private and public sector coming together over the last year because we did the show on the mRNA research and all that. I mean, it's fascinating that we're able to have this vaccine. It's effective. And it's like you said, distributed to 273 million doses already in, you know, six to seven months. And that speaks to... Well, Tone Day. Yeah. Let me tell you something, man. All of your uh, explanation... Now, your answer was like it didn't change your, your, your mind on it at all, but all your explanations mm -hmm. is touting how impressed you are with how well we've ultimately in the big picture you know, it shows that i'm this is what i consider being a patriotic american embracing the fact that it's Which not what it, embracing the fact that yeah. it's messy it's it's not perfect and that's okay but we still keep moving well ahead. let me come and, out and say it yeah let me let me come out and say it i actually this this has encouraged me i'm more encouraged now that we can handle big problems. Like, I think sometimes we get too distracted with the loud malcontents and, and, and like people complaining this, complaining about that. And there's always gonna be people complaining. If you're in any sufficiently si large size group, you're always gonna have the complainers, but you can't only focus on the complainers. You can't only focus on the complaints. Now you should listen to the complaints, see if there's anything valid in the complaints. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But overall, to have come up with, to, to one, Within a couple of months, and again, these are large societies here, um, to come within a couple of months to come up with kind of a workable temporary solution being the mass. Okay, here, do this with the mass. Probably a little overzealous as far as all the places we were telling us to wear masks, but nonetheless, 
to wear masks. In the meantime, the government put up some money to try to keep people afloat. And then uh, all simultaneously, you have this vaccine development going on, taking advantage of, of, of things that have been in development for decades, but building on them. And then so within you know a year or so, you have these vaccines readily available. You distribute almost 300 million of them in the United States, you know, and then around the world even more. This is pretty impressive to me. Like the, the fact that they could, did we, that they, this could be mobilized like this, ha have a temporary solution, have the next solution seamlessly come in after that. And then now we don't know if any of this stuff will stick, you know, like over the course of the pandemic, we've seen, oh, it looks like this person has it figured out. Oh, no, now they're in trouble. And this person figured it out. Now they're in trouble. And, and I don't know that U.S. has handled it the best, but we've handled it relatively well, I would say. You know, like, and, and I think that that is of note. And to, to, I mean, again, to get to, if you look at the big picture of all of the things that we're, we went through, and this is without even everybody pulling on the same, in the same direction, but none, enough people pulling in the same direction to go from the masks, to go from, to testing the vaccines and so forth, and then getting the vaccines out there to get into the vaccines to the point where in the real world, they're showing that they're more effective than the mask is, is pretty impressive. I mean, that, that is, if we put our mind to it, basically, that, we, that that's a pretty, impressive thing to be able to to deal with and if we can keep it going then then great you know but so far i mean i the the focus and the results again not getting caught up in the day-to-day -day, this person's mad about this this person's mad about that that group says this that group says that but just looking at the overall arc it's pretty impressive and i think that it, it, if if the aliens showed up tomorrow you know, we may it may take us a while to to kind of get our minds together as far as how we want to deal with it. We may have ten percent of the people just you know, would you call them reaction? Would you what, the, 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 the people who are just good reactants? We have ten percent of the people that are just falling prey to reactants. Um, you know, and so like, but ultimately, it seems like the overall ship will be able to get onto a course, a workable course, and kind of plug along. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh it's 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 fascinating. So we could keep talking, I know. Yeah, we could go forever. <laughs> it's, it's an endless endless irrationality versus uh versus rationality. <laughs> and we've lived it. We've lived it yeah. so close. And so what I'm saying is actually hard to kind of conceptualize because we've lived the ups and downs and the and the fits and starts like the the CDC saying, oh, you don't need a mask. And then a month later, no, you do need a mask. That's yeah. very it's hard to to gloss over that as an overall arc, even though you know that was 12 years or excuse me 12 14 months ago but it still feel, feels like oh because they were wrong it's like oh but nonetheless like i said it's it's interesting like i said and we can go forever on that as far as how we've dealt with it but hey the the, the march continues in what appears to be the right direction so we also today you know i know we wanted to discuss this uh this point with Basically, what it is, is they're doing research with sharks and they're trying to figure out how sharks in the ocean, in the middle of the ocean, too, like no reefs around or anything like that, how they're able to, to go thousands of miles, miles away, come back to the same spot, you know, repeatedly and do all this stuff. How do they know where they are? Because it couldn't be because of landmarks or, I guess, an underwater marks and, and, and things like that. And it doesn't seem like it's it, like you couldn't get such precise positioning just from North Pole, South Pole type of uh, navigation, the ability to do that. And so what they believe they found is that the Earth's magnetic field, which emanates from the poles, but is, is actually it covers the whole you know, it covers the whole world. It's not something that is just at, based at the poles. But 
that the, the sharks can use that magnetic field for geolocation in the same way that we use satellites and so forth. So the, the thing that jumps off the page to me is this, is that that is possible. Like the whole point being like, we understand that flying is possible because we see birds and then we created a device that does it. Now it took, you know, tens of thousands of years, you know, of humans to do it. But if sharks can do this, then conceivably it's possible to use the Earth's magnetic field for geolocation, which means we could do geolocation without satellites. So, Tunde, <laughs> what do you? Th- I know you. You know, we, you, and, you and I are both interested in these type of environment science intersections and so forth. So, I knew you'd have some interesting stuff to say about this book. So, what, what's your thoughts on this, man? Like that. that that's Earth's well, magnetic field. You're a boater. You, you, no, <laughs> what yeah, you it's, just- it's very interesting. But as you said that, it made me think about something that I saw this weekend. Um, you know, I'm an aviation enthusiast type, and I was watching a, a documentary about the SR-71 Blackbird, mm-hmm. which um, was at the time uh, when it, it, it was retired in 1990. Um, first uh, kind of began work in 57 and was um, first uh, used in the Vietnam War in 68. So it had a 22 year career and it still holds the record for the fastest plane and the fastest cruising speed. It could do Mach 3 for 90 minutes straight. And um, and so what happened what was interesting though, they said that, because um, even though we have the technology to make planes faster and all that, the reason why I was retired in 1990 is that's when the, the spy satellite game was good enough that I guess didn't matter if you had a plane that could go Mach 10, you know, to have something sitting in space looking down was always gonna be superior than to actually all the mechanical stuff it took to have a plane and those kind of engines to be serviced and all that. So that, that that got me thinking about what you're saying about why use satellites when we could use the Earth's magnetic field. And it's interesting, it, it might be easier still to use other forms of technology now for location for us as humans than it would be maybe to use the Earth's magnetic field. And you're, you're right. Well, that's because term- we don't know how they do it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't well, know how sharks do it. We know they do it, but we don't know how they do it. Yeah, no, and, and that's what I'm saying, though. It's fascinating because we, we may or may not ever get to um, using that for ourselves because sharks don't have the ability to go into space and look down to, to find it. That's all I'm saying is that even if we learn how to do it, it may not be um, the most uh, the best use of our energy and uh, time. Tunde, that's a failure of imagination, man. It's some, if you're in a conflict, somebody can shoot down your satellite, but the Earth's magnetic field is always going to be there. Somebody can block know, out they, your they, ability. They could, they could block out, yeah. So They couldn't but, block um, out the Earth's magnetic field? No, but your ability <laughs> to maybe get, use it, um, you know, like jamming electronic signals, you know, all that kind of stuff like they do now with radio signals. And But it's just, I mean, forget about that kind of speculation, but it's like it's fascinating because it's another example, I think, of how much of the natural world uh, is is out there, like that that we don't truly comprehend, and also how other living creatures relate to the natural world in ways that we don't totally yeah. don't understand and don't experience because another recent there's a really good documentary series right now on uh, Netflix i believe it's called uh, life in color and it's about how animals use color and they're talking about the ultraviolet lights and they 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 now they, they you know they they made the camera appear from an ultraviolet light view of how like a flower looks to a butterfly. It looks totally different than the way our eyes receive light. So this is another uh, example to me of you know our brains aren't wired to deal with the magnetic field in the same way as a shark, but a shark's whole experience must be different than our experience, and that's just to me fascinating. Um, and so yeah. that's that's. Um, 
that's that's one of the things. The other thing that I got kind of sad from, ding, 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 if I can say that word, uh, reading this, <laughs> just to put it out there as, you know, a fan of the environment and of, and of nature is um, from, they said that from 1970 to 2018, uh, the, the abundance and the population of sharks and the ocean rays have dropped by 70%. Uh, so I thought that was pretty sad uh, to, to point that yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Well, that's that's part that's part of our effect, you know, as far as changing the earth, uh, you know, and so hopefully we can reverse that as we become more conscious of and more people uh, care of, the, of these effects that we're having. But I mean, I think that this the point that there's more going on in the world than we're conscious of is just one I think we really shouldn't overlook. And I think it's a really good point that you made. I mean, another one that's fascinating to me, uh, similar to this, or, you know, just is the animals that can see light outside of the spectrum in which we can see, we can only see light in a very narrow spectrum of what we call visible light, but you know, they're infrared UV, things like that, all these different places or other spaces in the, in the, in the, the light spectrum that animals can see that stuff. And we just can't at all pick it up. And so it's in, in the same way, there's so many capabilities amongst the animal kingdom, as you said, that interact with what's going on in the natural world that we don't have. And it's so much of it is out of sight, out of mind, but so much of it could be useful as like we can't see radio waves is, is an example I was going to go to here. But we use radio waves for cell phone communication, for all types of communication, for all the, the communication between the satellites and so forth. And they but radio waves are out there. We just could never pick up on them until we had an antenna. And so what? With that, I see these things, these discoveries, and then, I mean, maybe this is just my, me being, you know, simple human, but I'm just like, well, how could we use that ourselves? I mean, that was the, the biggest thing to me, because if I, on my phone can be, or wherever, whatever device can pick up on precise positioning just from the Earth's magnetic field, what's the, the, the there's another step there, another thing that we'd be able to do from that. And it just takes us on a whole nother, a, a whole nother direction, a, a whole nother pathway for more discovery and so forth. So to me, just seeing the capability and actually being able to, to observe the capability now, to, to, to know that it's there, it opens up such a wide range of possibilities. And I mean, that's honestly, that's fascinating. That's just things that we should be doing. We should be trying to understand what's going on around us. And I'm happy that, you know, we see that happening here. Yep. And um, yeah, that's the other thing, too, that I find fascinating, just the magnetic field itself. I started reading a little bit just to learn, you know, and I just uh, it was <laughs> it's just amazing what we you know, how much there is to learn out there. So just to read a quick definition, the magnetic field is generated by electric currents due to the motion of convection currents of a mixture of molten iron and nickel in the Earth's outer core. So it's just to me fascinating that is something as large as the Earth because of the movement of that molten, like the, the rocks that are made up of, you know, these metals like the nickel and, 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 um, and all that, that all kind of rubbing together creates this over time, just creates this magnetic field that extends from the core of the earth into outer space. That also the and magnetic field- protects us from the sun's radiation. That's what I was gonna from, say from is- sun's it, radiation. Yeah, it protects us from the solar wind, which then allows our atmosphere to stay in place. And that the, one of yeah. the big, um, you know, because it seems that science and astronomy is becoming more and more comfortable with the idea that life did exist on Mars at one point. And the assumption is that as Mars, Mars uh, the planet itself began to slow its rotation over time, its magnetic field began to diminish. 
And mm-hmm. as the magnetic field diminished, the solar winds began to eat away at the atmosphere. And so it's just fascinating that something like this potentially is the whole reason we exist, you know, this magnetic field. Yeah. And, if, if this, and it's totally out of our control, I'm pretty sure. Like, no matter what we do as a society, whatever <laughs> we think we're sure. doing. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is yeah. we, we spend a lot of time with things that are somewhat, what I would say, within our control, like the ability to manage the levels of CO2 that we emit as humans into the atmosphere that if you mm-hmm. believe in climate change could lead to disrupting the Earth's ability to deal with uh, these changes in a relatively short period of time. We know that the Earth's climate has changed over long periods, hundreds of thousands of years, tens of thousands of years. But for it to change so suddenly over just a couple hundred years might be too well, short. But of remember, a- though, that discussion, but that discussion isn't about whether the Earth is going to be OK. That's a discussion on whether we'll be OK. The no, Earth is going to be and, we. And, <laughs> yeah, the Earth, the we're not messing that like up. Like I said, the, the Earth, Earth is uh, uh, it's cold rock on the surface and there's molten lava stuff in the interior. Yeah, that's not going to change with a two or three degrees up or down. But you're right. The, the life yeah. as we know it. And if we change. get knocked out. Well, no, and even if we get knocked out and we take all the or most of the ninety percent of the plant life, animal life with us, it'll come back. It's it's done that in the earth yeah, before. So I, I mean, mean that's, the whole climate change before. stuff is only about saving us. The Earth, you know, is, is no, going to be okay. What I'm saying is that something like the magnetic field, no matter what we do, I don't think we're affecting yeah. that. And and that what I'm saying is that it's almost just like scary and sad to to think about how vulnerable we are. Really, like no matter what we do. If this magnetic field stops working, like it's over <laughs> without a question. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, just, yeah, that's it. It's just interesting to me that there's so much that makes up um, just why we're here that is way out of our control. And so, you know, it's another reminder. So anyway, that's that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, nah, man. Well, we can wrap it from there, man. But yeah, it's it's I, I always like to look at these things and discuss them with you just because, I mean, it's stuff that normally we would have no interaction with or think about but it's pretty interesting and then it's pretty you know just fascinating to to see those types of things amongst other living beings particularly that they're making use of it that like they got stuff going on too and it's things that maybe in the future we may be able to plug into you know and and something like that so we appreciate everybody for joining us you know on this episode of call it like i see it and until next time i'm james keys i'm tune all right subscribe rate review And we'll talk to you next time.